Greetings from Burning Tarot. Here comes the squinchy noise. Squinch, squinch. Okay, sorry about that. That's me putting the windscreen thingy on my high-tech recording device out here in the National Forest where we are wandering and where there is wind. If you hear some waterfall or highway sounding noises in the background, that's often the wind here. It sort of swirls uh, at different altitudes and when it's swirling up in the tops of the trees, it gives a very distinctive whisper noise, uh, which ironically can sound like a highway sometimes. And then when it's low to the ground, it just crashes right into the microphone and that's not a very pleasant sound. So I hope that this windscreen is still giving you a little sense of the forest. The cicadas buzzing and singing away in the sunshine. The breezes rustling things around. A few cheeps and chirps of birds. Pretty windy, but otherwise not super loud right now. And not super hot yet either. I'm sure it will be later. Today we're going to do a special Burning Tarot exploration. So for those of you who are new to the Burning Tarot experience, our main gig, the main thing we do here, is I, and that is T, Tiffany Lee Brown, tarot reader, writer, tap dancer. Okay, I made that part up. I'm not an actual tap tap dancer, but I do just about everything else. Anyway, I take us on a walk very often in this forest, Deschutes National Forest, and we usually pull a tarot card to give us some guidance for the upcoming week-ish. But uh, some of our bonus episodes, such as this one, cover other subjects, and uh, today's subject is these incredibly cute little tiny four-petaled flowers in front of me. I could do a whole podcast about that if only I knew a darn thing about them. They're super cute. We might have to draw a card right here and I can photograph it with these cute flowers. So the subject at hand isn't really these cute flowers. Ah, um, One subject that comes up in a lot of conversations and readings with you guys has to do with how we balance our time, particularly those of us with an activist bent or a news reading bent and or an online and or news addiction bent. So these are issues that concern me and plague my life, but they are also of interest to a lot of you from what I'm hearing. And during difficult times, I think these are issues for everybody. So I would like to explore them now and again in the upcoming months. And we'll just have a little series of bonus nature walks where we talk about some of those issues. Okay, so let's start with weaving uh, positive activity into your lives. 
some of you are very uh, hardcore activists. You have issues, you work on them. Some of you are like me, kind of, I'm a generalist. I'm talking about everything and trying to fix all the world's problems every day. And it doesn't always work so well. Uh, some of you are very focused and organized about it. You've picked one issue, say like one habitat issue for the environment. Or um, you're working for the rights of the houseless or the unhoused or the homeless. I'm not going to dictate what adjective you should use, but there you go. That's an issue that is the subject of many, many conversations in my life, uh, particularly among people in California and Oregon uh, where housing prices have gone totally insane and nobody knows how to deal with all this stuff. So those are just some examples. Some of you are very focused. Some of you are more diffuse in your efforts. And so the question comes up, how, how do we do it? How do we bring that into our lives without having it kind of ruin our lives because we're so concerned about our issues and activism and the news around it that we don't have a chance to live our lives? Great question. I think, so I think it's good that it comes up a lot. Um, other issues that we will explore probably on um, separate podcasts will be more about the role of technology and resources that we can use to limit uh, how much technology is eating our lives. But that'll come up in this part too. Um and other such stuff. But right now I want to focus on this like balancing activism issue. We are now stopped in the shadow of a large ponderosa pine tree out of my funny little orange tiger backpack. Yes, it is a kindergartner's, or was a kindergartner's backpack. Now it's mine. Ooh, that wind is kicking up. I have a blue velvet bag I'm holding in my hand. And in the blue velvet bag, we have the Smith Rider Weight Tarot. And to give us a guide card to help us riff on this, first let's take a deep breath and face the north and ask the earth to pull some earth energy through our bodies. We can feel it coming up through our feet or maybe our butts if we're lying down or sitting down. Hello, Earth. Hello, beautiful trees. Please help us pick the right card and riff on the right stuff to be useful today. And I bow to the north. I bow to the Earth. Thank you, Earth. You can add a bunch of fancy hand gestures if you like. Today, I'm not going to. Now, I am turning clockwise to the east. I bow to the east and to the air. Hello, air. Hello, crazy wind and interesting birds. Air energy. I invite you to soar and cruise through me. And I ask for your help in successfully working with air, successfully working with communication and power and things that I find difficult. Wonderful air, Father Sky, however we want to think about it, I bow to you and I thank you. 
Another deep breath. Let's move clockwise again till we're facing south. Another little bow. Hello, fire. I have a song for fire. Sometimes I sing it at this point. I don't have a guitar with me. I'll skip it today. I say, hey, fire. Fire of transformation. Fire energy that moves, transforms, changes. And it does it quickly. It's not messing around. Fire, I bow to you. I appreciate your initiative energy. That fire in the belly to get stuff done, which we're talking about today with activism. Thank you, fire. And please, fire energies, help me, help us work with fire so that we don't get consumed by it in an unhealthy way, but so that we can really channel it nicely and work transformations within and without. Yay, fire. Deep breath, big gust of wind. These high grasses are finally turning from green to golden wheat color, and they are nodding in the bright sun and in the wind. So we move from the south, and we go clockwise to the west. Hello, west. Hello, water. Bow to the west, bow to water, and breathe. By the end of our walk today, I hope we will literally be at water, at what remains of our nearby stream. But for today, for right now, I mean, let's bow to the west and imagine water. The great ocean to the west, if you're here on the west coast of the United States. A great lake somewhere near you, a beautiful rushing river. A little pond all the emotion and ancestry and psychic power of water. We bow to you, water. We feel you coursing through us, through our bodies. And we ask that you help us ground our airy expeditions and our woo-woo goodness, grounded in earth, but also grounded in water, our emotions, our souls. Help us work with our emotions and with our souls rather than feeling overwhelmed by them, which can also happen. Thank you, water. I bow to you. And if you turn in a little circle, you'll notice that you've covered water, earth, air, fire, water, earth. It's nice to breathe and bow to them and feel them working within you, within your body, within your mind. The issue at hand today is a mind issue in some ways. But I think if we ask all the elements to work with us, that helps us avoid getting stuck in mind. Okay, the whole activism business, the balance the urgency and the passion for we care about those things that we are uh, active about or wish to be active about or reading in the news and complaining about. You can call that a kind of activism, I suppose. 
So we're pulling out the Smith Rider Weight Centennial Edition of the Tarot. And we're going to pull a card for all the Burning Tarot listeners who wrestle with this kind of news, activism, caring about their world, and yet caring about themselves. Ourselves. What do we need to think about as we do all this work? Huh? Look at that. All right, I'm going to pause to take a picture of this card for you. Here comes the windsock sound. Yep, there's those old annoying wind noises. Here's the windsock. We're back. All right, enough clicking and clacking around. I took a picture of the card and its environment, which I hope amuses you. What is this card? That's what you're wondering. So if you're contemplating how to do good in the world, how to appropriately be in touch with what's going on in your world, and yet how to do it in a way that balances you. This is after we've given a little moment to tune in to the elements, right? And say, okay, I'm open to what all of these elements want me to do. I'm open to whatever this card happens to say. You know, I would say that's a good place to start when you're thinking about this and maybe other issues. Is there a place or a time where we can step back from our conscious will, from our goals, from our ideas about how we have to do everything, how we should do everything? On the technology note I mentioned earlier, I will say here that those who are involved in using contemporary technologies, communication technologies, there's a lot of uh, focus that those tech companies put on getting you to quantify your results and to think of yourself as a collection of responses and likes and that kind of thing. So that can put us in a place of, you know, you know, adding a numeric quality to our lives that maybe, maybe can be problematic. So the cards are a nice way of, and, and I bring that up because if you have certain goals in this culture, you're really taught even before the current forms of technology, there's a big focus in this capitalist system on um, numbers, money. Now, that's how you measure your influence. How many people clicked like on that? How much money did you make doing something? And, uh, and that can give us ideas about how we should act in order to make change. And by making change, I don't mean how much change do you give out if somebody happens to be paying you cash for something at a cash register. I mean actual making change in the world, affecting change. Um, and so we get in this kind of like, I'm trying to affect things, therefore I will act in this way that I've been told to act. We also do this in business a great deal. And I work with a lot of businesses and nonprofits in my day job stuff. So I see a ton of this where people completely lose sight of why they're doing anything, why it matters, um, whether it's any fun, <laughs> because they just want to hit a bunch of numbers, right? 
So it can, you know, it can just suck the fun out of your life. So I think it's nice to step back and say, well, how do I talk to my inner intuition, which maybe doesn't care so much about numbers? How do I let in other forces that we don't even understand? I'm calling them the elements. I'm calling them air and fire, water and earth. You might call them God or Jesus or a particular goddess. And I might do that at a different time as well. But basically the act of stopping and letting uh, what, what we're calling kind of an external energy flow through us opens us up to gnosis, to knowledge. And you can say that, that that gnosis, that inner knowledge is coming from within you somehow, or that God is you, God is within you. You can look at it as uh, spirits that, you know, exist in the external world and are able to connect with you if you would only let them. And in an act of meditation or a simple, casual bowing to the elements, for example, these are all ways where we open up and say, okay, maybe I don't know everything. And I would argue that that's the whole point of the tarot, is that it's a wonderful time where we can say, yeah, I really don't freaking know. <laughs> so how about if I draw a card? And I will riff on the meaning of that card, the thing that uh, I've read about in a million places. But maybe I've read about it and then tried to forget all those meanings so that my intuition can be open to what that card wants to tell me right now. So that's, that's cool. So maybe part of our activism has to start with the very act of admitting that we don't know and that for all of our carefully laid plans and goals that we need to have wiggle room for saying, I don't know, for saying, okay, universe, teach me something. Show me a, a different way of thinking about things. If you are feeling super great about how your activism works and your work-life activism news balance in your life, you can just turn off the podcast and not pick out any tarot cards because your life's perfect and you got it all figured out. But me, I need help. I need to get out of my own way. So thank you for coming on the journey with me. What we pulled to get to the point finally is the Nine of Cups. And the Nine of Cups is a lovely card. It's also lovely because the message is very clear. <laughs> the message is good times, my people. Good times. Let us enjoy ourselves. Let us eat, drink, and be merry. Let us take stock of things that are available to us. Let us go with sensory enjoyment, fulfillment. The Nine of Cups suggests that, um, suggests that fulfillment, enjoyment, success are, are in the cards, right? So to speak. Ooh, by the way, I just got down to the creek bed and there is no water. We're going to walk up the creek bed. Hello, crows. 
A lot of crows have been hanging out here, like a lot. They're having some kind of family reunion. Normally they don't hang out here in the forest, except a couple of them. Oh, here's a little water already and a beautiful rose bush. A little wild rose with little pink blossoms. You know, this is, this is the Nine of Cups. We've been drawing some good cards lately in the Burning Tarot in general. And they're, they're all pointing us in this direction of letting energies flow, enjoying what is here, taking note of what is here. And I'm glad to see those cards. Uh, it's kind of odd that maybe we have to force ourselves to have a good time. <laughs> but sometimes we do, right? When you're in really desperate times, uh, it can feel like you're not allowed to do that. The tarot is speaking very clearly to us, saying, this is what you need. This is what your activism needs. What your engagement with the world politics news machine needs. It needs Nine of Cups energy. It needs you to celebrate. It needs you to chill out, sit down, drink some wine. For many of us, that's going to be metaphorical wine. So for those who don't imbibe in actual alcohol, please just use wine as a metaphor for, uh, what's a met wine a metaphor for? <laughs> it's a lot of four. Metaphor four. So wine is a metaphor for enjoyment, socializing, uh, taste and smell, sensory physical enjoyment, allowing yourself to feel sated and making sure that you uh, get to indulge a little. Feel like, I've got what I need. Look at my jars of wine, my cups of wine behind me. And I don't have to drink all of it right now, because I don't necessarily want to get shitty fall down drunk. But I want to really embrace this, enjoy this. For me right now, it's enjoying this little stream and this forest in full awareness that this stream will stop running very soon. So uh, balancing the activism slash news awareness part of ourselves, I think we might have to be very conscious about finding the water, finding the cups of wine in our lives. Wine is associated with ritual, with sealing the deal, you know, with clinking of glasses, doing a toast, with taking your time to work with the natural processes of the earth, any fermented food or beverage takes tending and love, and you're basically you're giving some control up, and yet you're tending as well as you can. If my footsteps sound loud, by the way, we are definitely in step on the pine cone territory here. So when you're making wine, or beer, or what have you, or pickles, 
some of it is opening things up to nature, right? Like say, okay, say you're doing a sourdough starter. What do you do? You put some water and some flour and I think some salt. Do you start with salt? I don't remember. Anyway, you just stir this stuff together in a jar and leave it out in your kitchen or your porch. And the natural fungi, the free-floating stuff in the air comes in and starts churning around with it until it makes your sourdough starter. If you're making wine, maybe you go through a little more detailed of a process to try to work with and or control nature. Maybe we could think of it as channeling um, and harnessing nature. But there's no real illusion that that I'm personally turning wine into turning water into wine, right? That's that's Jesus territory. That's magical. And what is magical? Nature. Nature does it. These yeasts that transform grape juice into wine, they come from nature. That's why we're finding these kinds of beverages in all cultures. So when we're looking at our nine of cups energy, it's telling us appreciate the process by which these things are made. Appreciate the long history of enjoying oneself, clinking glasses, toasting the marriage of a new couple, toasting the success of an effort. With the, with the uh, nine of cups, you don't want to get trapped in drowning your sorrows. For some of you, that might be done with alcohol. For a lot of you, it's probably done in some other way. But we all have our coping mechanisms. And sometimes they're the problem, or they become the problem. We turn them into a problem. So nature allows us to make the wine. Our society gives us a you know, metaphorical context for enjoying, enjoying the wine, using it wisely, but then it can get out of hand, right? So I think whenever we draw the Nine of Cups, we have to look at any places where overindulgence is an active problem. Not where we've indulged ourselves a little, but where it's an active problem. So in this case, when we're, when we're thinking about how we're trying to make change in the world and how we operate in a context of like never ending stream of bad news coming in, that kind of thing. Sometimes our overindulgence uh, is work, is technology, is news, <laughs> is activism even. So that's kind of the, uh, the irony here. Sometimes we're escaping from the beauty of life and the wonder of everyday experiences We're escaping into a bunch of bullshit on our phone that's telling us how horrible things are in some other country. Or maybe in our own, especially lately if you're an American. Uh, So we we basically get into an addiction cycle. Uh, You know, it doesn't really matter whether it's actual wine or it's the news. You know, if we're refusing to live a real life if we're not 
making the effort to live a real life because we think we're somehow virtuous for keeping up on the news every five minutes, that can be a problem. That can be a big, big, big problem indeed. And I get suckered into that, of course. I'm not pretending that I am somehow above all these concerns. I'm exploring them with you because you guys have expressed these concerns to me, and I have them. I have them for sure. I love the Nine of Cups for this. The Nine of Cups implores us to find successes and places of pleasure, to sit with our emotions and allow the happy ones to emerge. And if there are some unhappy ones, to allow them, you know, a moment of catharsis, a moment of grief. And the Nine of Cups, it's interesting because it can, you know, you can interpret it as like, I'm going to go out and find the wine. But what the card is trying to tell us is that we already have the wine. It's just that it's on this shelf behind us. And so we have to notice it. We have to notice that we have blessings, that some things are beautiful around us, particularly nature, that there are rituals and get-togethers and all sorts of things baked into our culture that, you know, depending where we are with COVID, etc., that we can join in or we can join in a Zoom version of it if that's necessary. So there's a lot in there. It seems so simple. I don't know if I've described the card yet. Let me pull it out of my pocket again. Okay. Nine of Cups. Old school Smith Rider weight style. A dude with a contented look on his face sits on a bench. He's wearing a decorated red hat. He looks reasonably well off, but not necessarily nobility or royalty. And arrayed behind him on a something weird. Let's say it's a bar. (laughs) Sort of a semicircle that is up above him. We've got nine golden chalices, goblets, cups. This is a nice illustration by Pamela Coleman-Smith, a.k.a. Pixie. At his feet is the color yellow. Above the golden cups and behind, again, the color yellow. So it's a very simple image. And this guy's just staring straight out at us. His arms are crossed. His legs are kind of akimbo, open, kind of man-spreading a little there. And he's just going, dude, I got wine. (laughs) I got wine. And he might be about to say, would you like to have one of these chalices and drink a toast with me? He might be saying, well, these are all mine, neener, neener, neener. But that's not really what his face looks like. Um, He looks like somebody who's ready to enjoy himself and has taken the time to um, amass some good things in his life and is now going to take the time to sit there and enjoy them. So I think that's our assignment for those of us who are trying to do the balance thing. Um, I like this assignment a lot. I like that it meets up with our kind of earth-oriented readings we've been having lately on Burning Tarot at large. 
I think it's very hard to balance these things and that we get stuck in like a sort of um, virtue loop, particularly if your um, social scene has a lot of people who talk about these same issues, whether that's your social media, your gated virtual community like The Well, or just the people that you chit chat with. If you're always in contexts where this is what people talk about, they don't talk about the weather, they don't talk about um, how beautiful the meadow was yesterday, they just talk about the shitty thing that the Supreme Court did, it can be very hard to step back and even recognize, like, oh, at some point, this level of engagement and involvement have become dysfunctional. Because emotionally, it's not helping me get anything done. So if you find yourself in that position, um, or you've, you have been in that position, and you've found some techniques that are helping you cope with it, I would love to hear about those. Burningtarot at gmail.com. Please write me a note. Uh, if you let me know uh, where you are, and maybe your age, that's nice too. That gives me some perspective on who's listening, the engaged listeners. Apparently, there are several thousand people listening now who aren't writing in or anything or buying readings, and I don't know who all you guys are. I wish you would drop me an email so I could talk to you. Um, but I consider Burning Tarot to mainly have our main core of people who actually communicate. So please communicate. Tell me how you're doing with these things. Um, for myself, I will say that I wrestle with these issues and I go back and forth on how to deal with them. Um, but I've read a lot and learned a lot in the last, gosh, I guess in my whole adult lifetime, but especially in the last six years about different ways of handling these issues and particularly handling the technology. If you guys are interested, I can share more of that with you. Um, I'll just try to think of a few things here. Uh, for me, leaving social media altogether became a thing. I did that four years ago, I think. And uh, I do have to pop in occasionally under a fake name to do something for a client job or to say goodbye to a dying friend on Facebook. But mostly I'm gone from there. Um, why is that important? Well, social media appears to offer real connection. And what we have learned is that the algorithms that these companies write, the engineers at these companies, you know, write, write a whole bunch of software that looks at what you like and what you click on and what engages you. And the software, the algorithm, the AI, whatever you want to call it, uh, the software is trying to get you to engage more with the social media platform. This can also be true of news sites and a lot of other stuff online. So they make money from your attention span. And I believe Paco Xander Nathan wrote about this in an early webzine. That's what we used to call them, web magazine, uh, that I was the editor for, for uh, Soundlight Media in New York. It was called Signum. And I'm pretty sure he wrote 
for Signum about the attention economy and was trying to clue in people like me about how important this kind of stuff is. And later in conversation, he tried to explain to me that like, oh, you know, the recommendation engine on Amazon, it's like, if you like this, maybe you'll like that. Other people who liked this movie bought this other CD. So innocent sounding. Well, he was trying to let me know that this stuff was turning into a big fat mess. And that's where we are now. We're in the big fat mess phase. So social media runs on, uh, you know, various permutations of how can we keep you engaged with your phone? How can we keep you clicking and reading and looking and maybe even posting and talking? How can we get you creating content for the web for free? So that the companies can make a bunch of money by selling ads and stuff and selling your data, selling information about you and people like you to, um, you know, small companies, big companies, politicians. So it's really big, scary issues at stake. And there are giant books you can read. Um, the Age of Surveillance Capitalism is a real doorstopper one that you might find interesting if you're thinking I'm sounding paranoid. There's nothing paranoid about it. There's a shit ton of articles and books about this. And that's why I left social media four years ago. In terms of our activism and our soul, part of the reason that many of us have trouble um, getting back to our nine of cups selves, you know, kicking back, having the glass of wine or equivalent thereof. And, um, ooh, just got my feet in the water. It's nice and cold and pretty. Uh, so here I am out, out here and literally enjoying the element of water, but it takes effort. In this case, I'm still talking to a phone while I do it, but I'll put this down in a bit. Um, so things like social media or what we used to call in the business stickiness on websites, um, they, they really chip away, not just at our attention, but on our, our ability to do anything else with our attention. And, uh, this changes really kind of who we are, how we feel, how we communicate. The algorithm that drives all this activity is not interested in making the world a better place. You, the activist, you, the reader of the news who cares about women's rights or whatever, you care about making the world a better place. The algorithm doesn't give a shit. Okay? Whatever they say, it is not human. It is not sentient. It's not alive. It's just a collection of stuff that engineers happen to have tapped into a computer and those um those algorithms and and ais if you will have gone on to create their they, it's called machine learning so they learn they were programmed to learn from what they encounter as they're you know whatever running around running facebook and so the engineers who started the process lose control over that process. 
It's just like having a kid and saying, all right, honey, um, here's a library. I've taught you how to read. Now go in there and learn some stuff. If you just let the child go wild in the library and they know how to read and you're not watching to see whether they spend their entire time reading, um, you know, bodice ripper romances or a detailed history of uh, serial killers, you know, the, the child could learn whatever while they're there and they could start making their own conclusions about it, right? That's why we take some time to raise our children. Well, our AIs have been out there learning without proper supervision for many, many years now. And while they learn, well, our kids typically, you know, well, they go do some independent stuff. Then we try to teach them under adult supervision. And there's, you know, there's like this co-creation process. The culture is molding our children, but we are too. And the teachers and all of that. And the children are real and have emotions and are connected to a family or a society around them. The, the AIs have none of that. They're just snippets of code that have been told, given instructions. They've been programmed to go out and say, you know, huh, learn what makes these people click like or post a comment. And then make sure those people get more stuff like that. That's similar to what somebody else clicked on and liked. It sounds so simple, and yet it has turned into such a gigantic clusterfuck. And when and it also has to do with how dopamine works in our brains. They use consultants from the gambling industry from like the people who make slot machines, techniques like intermittent rewards to keep us glued to the social media, or in my case, to the New York Times website. <laughs> um, there's different places you can do this. It's not all just Facebook, right? And here we are trying to be good activists, trying to be good citizens, trying to learn who to vote for, and these intermediating forces are learning on their own. And all and they don't really have the they don't have the humanity or the experience to say, oh, well if these people over here like clicking on articles about automatic weapons, you know, that that might be problematic. Could we get them to start clicking on uh, stuff about puppies instead? <laughs> and some of this is being tried now, but pretty much the cat is out of the bag. What, what has happened historically is, you know, if you like uh, automatic weaponry and the internet puts you in touch with other people who like automatic weaponry and people who sell automatic weaponry, uh, their advertisements pop up for you. And this takes you to a place where there are extremists who can recruit you into a group. And then you, whatever, storm the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. It's a bunch of bullshit, my friends. Yes, I'm ranting. I get it. But it's something that we have a little bit of control over. 
the only way I could get control over it uh, four, four or five years ago now was to leave the environment. I was sufficiently addicted uh, to Facebook in particular that I had to actually go. I couldn't even do it. I also had two Facebook accounts at that time, which was fascinating. It was very obvious that one of my accounts, my main one, had, was the, you know, they, they admitted later that they took, I think it was 750,000 people and um, messed with their Facebook feeds so that they would be overwhelmed by negative news. And they just, the engineers at Facebook did this for fun because they can. Um, and to, you know, learn something from that. Well, I wasn't one of the ones that committed suicide, but um, wow, that's just horrible. And I could see how it worked because I had two accounts going. My old account, which was riddled with serious partisanship and had some wonderful conversations in it, by the way. I learned a lot. But it was eating my brain. And then I had a new account uh, under a different form of my name that was just a few good friends and people that I was meeting in my new community where I'd moved to, where I didn't want to insult the many religious people who live here, and where I didn't want to have like giant tear down fights about racism and sexism and things like that. And that's that second account was just it, when I would read that, I felt like I was in a totally different world from the world of regular Tiffany Lee Brown. Regular Tiffany Lee Brown was living in the apocalypse with a lot of friends in Portland, San Francisco, New York. So it was, uh, it, I didn't do this as an experiment. I did this out of kind of desperation, moving to a new place and um, realizing that my, face, my old Facebook account was becoming very destructive to my health. Um, but watching the two together was fascinating. So when I'm talking about activism and I'm talking about social media, what I have experienced personally was a really strong addiction to Facebook in particular. And uh, I've been thinking and contemplating online addiction in general since the early 90s when I first got online, which is a lot sooner than almost everybody else right? Some of you old nerds listening to this, you were online even before then. Very cool. But that's many years to notice my own behaviors. That's many years to say, wow, this tool can be very useful for engaging me with the world and issues I care about, having conversations, spreading information, spreading news but it has become so deeply weighted in the opposite direction. It has become such a crazy tool for partisanship, for lies, for well-intentioned people spreading misinformation or poorly researched articles. I'm sure I did some of that. So I had to step away from the whole damn thing. I do feel a little more removed Um, from the world because of it. There are definitely times when I'm like, I would be a great Instagram witch because there's this huge scene of Instagram witchery that's been going on for quite a long time now. 
you know, I'd love that. Take the pictures of the altars and do the things and it'd be fun. And I'd meet all these other Instagram witches and it would be, it'd be a hoot. I like that kind of stuff. But I can't ignore how that's part of a deeply corrupted and corrupting landscape. So my Nine of Cups moment tells me to really enjoy what's real and to be indulgent. But I don't think it's telling me to indulge in anything that is genuinely damaging to me. You know? (laughs) Oh my gosh. A little orange butterfly is chasing a big swallowtail butterfly. Successfully. Just chased it out of here. That was weird. (laughs) They're both very cute. So um, my little anecdote about how social media corrupted my brain. There you go. That's what happened to me. But it's not just me. It's millions of people and you might be one of them. And um, if you can peel yourself away from that, that might give you more opportunity to do this like chilling and, and loving and sitting by the creek and having a fine beverage and taking note of everything that you have and being grateful for it and enjoyment and this kind of, you know, you can call that self-care. We're, a lot of us are always being instructed to increase our self-care so that we have enough energy to be activists. So that's a, another thing that you could look at. Um, let me know if you're in the state of feeling like you're addicted to your phone, you're addicted to your social media, uh, whatever. And if I get enough people asking for it, I will post some resources that I've either reported on or used myself um, that have been helpful so that my engagement can feel a little, a lot actually, a lot more deliberate, a lot more useful, and then doing my best to come at the issues I care about uh, from a from a meaningful place. It can also be helpful to find a local way of making a difference. And even if a lot of the back, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of the back end of that still might end up being on your computer or your phone, uh, having a having a component of it that happens in person. And that can be a spiritual practice. Some of you have spiritual groups that you meet with that are not explicitly political, but you know that this spiritual work, going to your church, going to your sangha, your meditation center, your temple, that these are places where you're being real in the world, enabling all of you as a group to get something done together. And for those of us who lack that because we are not well suited to it or have had bad experiences with such things in the past that can be a little bit of a challenge here in my local community i enjoy doing stuff with um our little local labyrinth and now that is under threat the city is uh purchasing the land on which the labyrinth sits and apparently has decided to tell the designer to design their dream transportation hub there 
without first consulting with the people who built the labyrinth and those of us who came later and do stuff at the labyrinth. So there's an example of something where I'm like, oh God, this does mean more activism and I have to start it now and I'm tired (laughs) Uh, because I'm putting a lot of effort into another local um, project, Sisters Farmer's Market, for which I do get paid, but it's a huge amount of effort um, to help them be successful. So what do I do as, as an activist, as someone who cares? I think the Nine of Cups is saying, well, whatever I do, I can't let it just eat at my brain all day. I need to come to the creek, some of it with you guys, some of it alone. I need to get my feet wet. I need to play with my son. I need to hang out with friends. I need to uh, drink a golden chalice of vino. And then when I'm ready, I can go back and engage with trying to save the labyrinth or deciding that we want to move it or end it or whatever it is we decide. I don't know. But taking it on, taking it on from a place of feeling full, feeling satiated or sated, feeling like I am fat and happy feeling like I deserve to eat, drink, and be merry, and take naps, and recover from COVID, by the way, and um, that it's fine, that this is what I'm here to do, and that, in fact, failing to do the Nine of Cups, I mean, I hate to make the Nine of Cups sound like an assignment instead of like a blessing, because it's really a blessing. It's like, hey, many of your activities are going to be fruitful, some stuff is succeeding right now. Woohoo! Let's ha- you know, raise a glass, cheer and toast. Ta-da! The card is not a like wag your finger at you type of a card. I'm kind of turning it into one, I'm afraid. But I think it, there is a spiritual message that's hard for us hard for some of us to hear. And, and maybe it's a psychological message as well where we have been given this little lifetime to be here. And if we spend the whole time bitching, moaning, and fighting, we're not actually doing the life. So I feel like doing the life is embodied in this card. And it's telling us in this context, doing the life, living the life, having fucking fun embracing your body, your emotions, sitting your ass down on a nice bench, rejoicing, and just chilling out, you know, and allowing yourself to feel fat and happy. Like, yeah, look at me. I accomplished this. I did that. I've got this. I've got that. Look at this beautiful stream. Cool, man. Doing that is part of the larger spiritual work, which in turn feeds the larger political and activism work. It's our responsibility. It's not just like, well, if I want to feel indulgent, I'll do that. It's, like, it's part of the deal. Um, I like reading Thich Nhat Hanh on that kind of thing because he's very wise and he's very fierce about it. You know, he says, or listening to some of his meditations 
you know, what does he say? Um, my peace, when he's meditating, my peace is the most important thing in the world. Something like that. So our peacefulness, our enjoyment, our contentment, like these are part of the larger spiritual picture. And if we don't have a larger spiritual picture and we're just running around like chickens with our heads cut off, you know, how, how successful are we going to be in terms of our activism? I don't really know if we can be. If we're just fight and if we're just, you know, watching the news because it's there, <laughs> uh, that can actually drain us instead of providing us with useful information. So I hope that this has been useful. Uh, drop me a note, burningtarot at gmail.com. Let me know if you're having concerns about this stuff. And again, as I mentioned earlier, share your own suggestions and, um, and your failures and successes with it. I'm going to do my best to chill the hell out and enjoy stuff. <laughs> Why is that such a task? Um, I think it's going to be fun. So I hope you have fun too. There will be a regular burning tarot coming up soon. And um, have a wonderful summer. I'm T. This is Burning Tarot. If you want a reading uh, or just sign up for my email list, which I would really appreciate. It's tiffanyleebrown.com. And there's a shop and there's a thing that says contact. And if you contact, we'll give you the, the uh, email newsletter thing. So pop on over there if you would be so kind. And I will talk to y'all soon. Watch out, here comes that windsock again. How windy is it? Well, it's not too bad. You want to hear some water? Let's walk over to the water again. We're starting to run out of water, but there's still some here. Can you hear it? This is, this is at least nine cups worth of water.